welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is both of my guys. I got Court and Cam in the house. Hello, Katie. Hello, world. <laughs> oh, and there's that beautiful opening bell. Oh! What are you doing? I just, it was funny because you were like, oh, and so I was like, oh. oh. So what are we going to talk about today? Fiduciary. <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about just in the past uh, few months, a, a new regulation went into effect uh, called Regulation BI. Uh, it's well known amongst those of us who work in the industry. I think it's sort of bled out into the, the mainstream of, of general knowledge because we're getting a whole lot of questions about fiduciaries lately. Mm-hmm. What is a fiduciary? And Regulation BI, of course, the BI stands for Best Interest. Yeah. I definitely would say back to our uh, olden days, uh, fiduciary is a jargon, jargon violation. Oh, yeah. Totally. It is, it's becoming a buzzword. Um, I mean, I, I know right now sports are big, and so watching a lot of ESPN and all these commercials, and you hear fiduciary. I listen to sports radio, and every commercial, it's this certain investment firm, and the commercial is based on the idea of a fiduciary. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Yeah, I had uh, my wife called me just the other day and was like, I had a client come in and ask if this this and such a investment firm was a, was a fiduciary. I had a fiduciary duty, and I and I thought that everybody had a fiduciary duty. And I was like, well, regulation best interest basically says that everybody, you know, fi- broker dealers must uh, keep the client's best interests in, in the forefront. So I mean, yeah, when I hear this, I kind of be like, duh, you should always, you know, care about people and yeah, have d- the best interest at heart. And I mean, not to toot our own horn, but this is kind of like, okay, this is how we've always operated. Toot, toot. <laughs> We're <laughs> Well, you, you, you're going to make us? Like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> oh, no. good. We were already doing that. But yeah. So we're going to get more into like what it actually means. Uh, but first, you know, we want to have some fun. We want to do our list. Yes, we have a list. A fiduciary is someone who is looking out for your best interests, their client's best interests. So uh, we, we, we thought a, a list of people... That probably would not make such good fiduciaries. Yeah, would these, be a fun these list. are some uh, characters you would not uh, want having your best interest at heart because they will have their own interest at heart. This yes. list is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll round robin this. Um, Cam, why don't you start? All right, the Joker from The Dark Knight manipulates his followers into doing his heinous acts for him. Can you imagine if the Joker was your financial advisor? <laughs> <laughs> Any of the Jokers, Heath Ledger, I mean, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's that, But that's the thing is, is that he was such a bad guy, but most of the bad things other people did for him. He So he didn't get his hands bloody. So, yeah. True. He would be a terrible financial advisor. <laughs> uh, okay, the number two, Catherine from Cruel Intentions. Interesting. Yes. Uh, so this is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar when she had her dark hair. Mm-hmm. This movie is awesome, but um, she plays the ultimate queen witch. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she she is a total manipulator. Uh, emotional games, like preying on the young and innocent, and just to get her way. And it definitely. Uh, you and know. you know, it's kind of cute. She and uh, Selma Blair are still very very close yeah. friends to this day. And of course, they as I assume met on that movie. Um, mm-hmm. They were they were both in it for sure. But did you know that Cruel Intentions was actually based on uh, another story? Yes. Far older story. 
uh, originally done in French called Les Liaisons Dangerous. Yes. Dangerous Liaisons. Exactly. <laughs> I have seen it. It's good, too. It's fantastic. I love that movie. Okay, number three, Dominic Cobb from Inception. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw this movie. Uh, I, I don't really remember it because I can't... I, I, it just... It's a trippy movie, man. It just didn't it didn't get its tentacles into my brain. So tentacles into your brain. I just pictured like the Matrix when they like you know attach yeah. the thing into the back of your head. Sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that's a, a, man, a definitely a manipulation one. Yeah. The Queen Bee, Regina George from Mean Girls. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, she uh, definitely is the trendsetter and manipulates people, but then when she unleashes that the burn, burn book, book, yep. Yep. Yep, yep, causing chaos. But I mean, that's just, and the scene in that I actually had happen similar to me when I was younger. The whole where they're on a three-way phone call, and she yeah. tries to get her to say stuff I'm like, "Oh, what did you see, Gretchen today? Like, what was she wearing?" That happened to me in real life, so I know those manipulative people. Like, oh, you can't, yeah, tr- I, you can't trust them. I, 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 I recall. It seems like I, I recall maybe getting on a three-way call. Uh, once or twice, um, to but it, it always involved like trying to get someone to 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 say whether or not they liked someone else. Yeah. That was like the big thing. Oh yeah. Do you like so and so? Such manipulation. Mm. Okay, uh, Gordon Gecko, Wall Street. Which is I mean, fitting, obviously. <laughs> yes, I mean he was ultimate manipulation, insider trading, all the of it. Pure example, the best example of of someone who was financial, not a fiduciary, <laughs> yeah. not not taking that fiduciary responsibility uh, uh, seriously. Um, Frank from Catch Me If You Can. So this is Frank I, Abagnale. 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 Yep. <laughs> All in all, he was, he was, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he was definitely manipulative and he obviously lied to everyone, but he seemed like, uh, I mean, super smart, yeah. obviously. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have not seen this movie, but, uh, Tom Ripley from the talented Mr. Ripley. I Matt tried Damon. to watch it and... Is it a psychological thriller? I mean, it is, it is a slow burn. Okay. I mean, it is one of those that you... I don't know. It's just one of those movies that you have to just like really focus and and just grit your teeth to to, to actually get something from it. Mm. That was Jude Law, Matt Damon, and yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, boys, y'all got to help me with this last name. So Colonel Nathan Jessup. Jessup, uh, a few good men, and this was Jack Nicholson's character. Yes. Um, I mean, this is just an incredible movie. But yeah, you would not want Jack Nicholson's character to be your fiduciary. Neither would you want Jack Nicholson's in anger management to be your fiduciary. <laughs> or The Shining. Or, you know, everything. Uh, Alex DeLarge from uh, from Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Can you imagine that guy? <laughs> Let me handle your finances. <laughs> John Doe from Seven. I would Ooh. not want him because I don't want to be murdered based on the seven deadly sins. Like, come on. What's in the box, man? What's in that box? Uh, Catherine Trammell, Basic Instinct. Mm. I mean, hers would be more called seduction manipulation for sure, but she got very powerful people to do whatever she wanted. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looking out for her own best interests. Yep. Okay, so um, Amy Elliott Dunn, now uh, from from Gone Girl. I mean, golly, this woman is 
Woo, man, she's just she's crazy. She, I mean, she just she she's out for all kinds of badness. I mean, she just uh, she's who well, man. And that actress, well, she did that because I care movie. Do you remember that? It was newer. Uh, yeah, um, I, I've heard of it. I didn't it was, watch it. It was but. all about her taking advantage of older people. That's we talked about it on the elder care episode mm-hmm. we did. But she just took advantage of all these older people who didn't have any family and ended up stealing, like, having all of their money transferred over into her name and that she was the beneficiary. Yeah. Maybe Rosamund Pike is crazy in real life if she keeps gravitating to these roles. Well, it's a lot of these. There's some of the same actors. So, obviously, they just look like shady characters. (laughs) Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. I'm having an old friend for dinner. Yeah. Some of that was filmed in Memphis. I know. Oh, we've had this. We've, yeah. we've had this conversation. Yeah. A very minimal part, like an exterior yeah, of a building. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. When he was in the, you know, in the middle of that cell, in the middle of the room, like yeah, okay. But yes, obviously Hannibal Lecter is kind of one of those, like the Joker. He can uh, manipulate. I mean, he he manipulated that guy to eat his own brains. That was that was that was a later movie. Oh, Hannibal! Was, that was that Hannibal. was in Hannibal. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, it's still the same guy. Yeah, just not this movie. <laughs> same crazy dude. Okay, uh, Alonzo Harris from Training Day. Yeah, I just watched this a few months ago for the first time. Really? Yeah, mm. I liked it. it I great. watched it back back when it. I mean, I didn't watch it in theaters, but I, I watched it like right after it came out on DVD. I mean, you know, this is. This is back when there were still blockbusters. And I <laughs> probably went and rented it and actually watched it on DVD. It was a good movie, and uh, I think he he won Best Actor for that. I think. I believe so. Yeah. 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 Katie, what yeah. was the first DVD you ever saw? The first DVD. I know that is super random. Ah. When Court said that, I, I was thinking Forrest Gump. Right when DVDs came out, they re-released it on DVD, and we rented it. That was the first time I saw a DVD. I don't remember the DVD, but I know my parents had a laser disc player. They still do, oh, I think. Oh, really? Yes. And so we had like five laser discs, and Swiss Family Robinson was one oh, of them that that's I remember. A classic movie. Yes, and it's just like I mean, there was big old laser disc, and it's you had to watch two or three of the discs to watch the whole thing, <laughs> or like Titanic it back when it was the two VHSs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I my first introduction to uh, a director's cut video was uh, a friend of mine that had uh, after DVDs had come out. He he maintained his laser disc collection, mm-hmm. and the first director's cut video I saw was a director's cut of of Aliens that he oh, had on. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll finish our list out, Court. Uh, do I have to? Yeah. I don't know who this guy is. Uh, Daniel Plain. Plain view from There Will Be Blood. I've never seen that it's movie. It's Daniel so. Day Lewis. Yes. Ah. Um, I haven't seen this movie, but when I was reading, it's just a. Uh... It is talking about slow burn. That movie is a slow mm. burn. Mm. It won awards though. Yeah. Well, so there is our list of bad people, <laughs> Mas- master manipulators, all of them, and certainly not someone who you would want serving as your fiduciary. Why? Because fiduciaries are supposed to be looking out for your best interests. And I don't think a person on that list would be looking out for your best interests. Off the list, who would be the absolute worst financial advisor or fiduciary? Uh. Oh, I'm going to go with John Doe from Seven. Yeah, probably. I mean, the Joker, highly intelligent. Catherine, highly intelligent. 
Dominic Cobb, yeah. Uh, Regina George, maybe bad. She might too. be pretty, yeah, because <laughs> she would just pick the real trendy stuff. Uh-huh. Instead of a portfolio, she'd give you a burn book. Yeah. Okay. This one looks really nice, so let's go with this one. And it's pink. (laughs) Okay, so fiduciary, as an adjective, it's involving trust, especially with regards to the relationship between a trustee and a beneficiary. As a noun, a fiduciary is a trustee. Mm. So, you know, a fiduciary must put your best interest above their own. Financial advisor, who's a fiduciary? Yes, that's different. Financial advisor and fiduciary are not the same. So a financial advisor who is a fiduciary has an ethical duty to recommend the best investments for you. So what does that mean? They, they got to do the right thing that's for the client, not necessarily what's going to pad their pocket. Right. Yes. And this seems so common sense that that it, it just it shocks me that they felt like they had to pass a law but i mean you know it's, but it's it's they had to pass a law because you know yeah court already said like you know this is how we we do business this we've never questioned that but there are crooked people out there people who just are you know they may still be doing the best thing and being great advisors but they before this rule were really kind of also thinking of well you know, it's probably best for them to do this, but um, I think it's better, you know, we'll, we'll get the business. I mean, my prime example with this would be is that something that we say, and I'll say this probably several times in this episode, is we like to invest our time before we ever invest your money. And a lot of people are going to come in and be like, oh, no, no, I want to instantly get your, because there's no payment at that point. Mm -hmm. When we're investing time to get to know you, to figure out what's the best options, there is no money that's coming in. So we could spend a lot of our precious time working with somebody and then they never do anything. And so in theory, we've wasted time, but really what we're doing is finding out. We were talking to a client, a potential client the other day, the great individual talking about um, he has a great income, all of this, and that he was looking to go down these avenues of wanting to invest, and he had this whole passive income idea and all of this. And then the more we talked, the more we, as David Pickler says, we peeled that onion. We found out deeper layers that on the surface, this guy had great cash flow. He had plenty of money. He was good to go. But for some reason, he had 30 plus thousand of credit card debt and 400,000 of student loans. That he did not tell us until 40 minutes into the meeting. So if we had not kept peeling that onion and finding out more information, then, you know, we could have not found out about that and would have been like, oh, yeah, of course we want to have you come do business with us. Because some people may go, oh, yeah, let's get that business. Let's bring in that revenue. No, you got to stop and think about what's best for the person. That's a good point, Katie. I'd say if you're shopping around for an advisor and you notice they're not trying to build a relationship with you, that's a big red flag. Mm -hmm. And by build a relationship, I'm not talking about numbers, just asking you important questions about you, your family, your hopes, your dreams. That's how you build a relationship. Yeah, because there's definitely, there's relationship people and there's transactional. And there's a lot of products out there that somebody can say, oh yeah, I want to save this money, I want to do this. Okay, cool. Well, you're paying it all up front and then they don't care about you. They've gotten paid at the front end. What is that whole commercial around Memphis? We don't care about your credit. We care about you. Like, okay, well, these people just care about getting their paycheck and they don't care about you. 
and they don't care about what happens to that money because they've already gotten paid. So there's a lot to this and it's kind of a duh, um, but I mean, if you're confused about the distinction between a fiduciary and a financial advisor, you're not alone. Uh, hopefully we can help you break down what a fiduciary actually is and how the title applies to the world of financial advice and why you keep hearing it in all of these bloody commercials and bloody. everything. <laughs> There's so many. Bloody commercials. <laughs> it's a, uh, so a fiduciary is an individual who acts in the best interest of a particular person or beneficiary. In the world of financial services, that means a fiduciary advisor must only buy and sell investments that are best for their client. Again, Duh. See, okay, so just to just just to give you a little bit of background, the duty of an advisor basically used to be suitability. Is is a particular mm-hmm. uh, investment that you are recommending to a client suitable for that client? And so the bar you had to to to, to reach was 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 lower because you can you, you could you can argue that suitable investments are not necessarily always going to be best interest investments. Um, By suitable, do you mean like high tolerance versus low tolerance for risk? What is their risk tolerance? What are their, what is their, what are, what are their goals? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What are their investment objectives? Does it meet those objectives? Uh, suitability is also determined uh, by how knowledgeable they are, how much experience they have investing, so on and so forth. You know, there, there, there are some factors that go into it, but it's still a lower bar than the best interest mm-hmm. bar. So uh, fiduciaries have a bond of trust with clients and must avoid conflicts of interest. Working with a fiduciary financial advisor means they have to have the best interest at heart, but be careful because not all advisors are fiduciaries. So that is why a lot of people are coming in and asking that question, are you a fiduciary? Mm-hmm. Because they want to make sure that they're thinking, you know, they're taking care of these people. There is so much that goes into a financial advisor, a financial partner, making sure they have the different certifications, the different mm-hmm. tests, that they pass different things. Because financial advisor is such a term that... It is such a term. It is. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> It is it is just a title, but it's ubiquitous. Yeah. It's 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 out there. It's used a lot. It's used a lot by a lot of different people. There isn't really you don't the requirements for you to be able to call yourself a financial advisor are are really kind of um there are a lot of people out there that are calling themselves financial advisors and you know it's so, so and, and they're not I mean that's what a finance person at a car dealership may call themselves a financial advisor <laughs> but they're just helping you figure out your loan for your Subaru. Mm. Um do you know where the word fiduciary comes from? The root? Where does it come it from? It comes from the Latin word fidus meaning no, that, I don't. I mean it is Latin, you're right. <laughs> uh, fiducia. <laughs> to uh, to inspire trust. Oh. A little little trivia there. But yeah. people are probably like, what does that word mean? It's Latin. Well, Everything's Latin. Everything's <laughs> Latin. It's, it's not just... So obviously, if a financial advisor does not have a fiduciary responsibility to you, that's where they can recommend products and get a bigger commission and ones that may not be the best fit for you but cost you more. But fiduciary relationships are not just limited to the financial world. It can be any place where a high level of trust is required. So like a board member may have a fiduciary duty to their company, trustees over fiduciary duties to their beneficiaries, retirement plan administrators typically have a fiduciary duty to their company's employees. So there's a lot of different places where you've got that 
you know, requirement of having it. So this isn't a new word. This has just become more of a buzzword and it's popular because of the changes, but it's things that honestly should have been happening this whole time. One of the things that Court and I've talked about on several of these episodes is the the certified financial planner. And that is something, it's a very high level certification and people, part of the code of ethics for the CFP is you must act as a fiduciary and therefore act in the best interest of your clients. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole peeling the onion, finding out all the details. Because if someone, if, you know, Cam comes in and says, Katie, I got an extra $10,000. I want to put this away and just let it grow for me. And I go, okay, great. Let's do that. Because I'm thinking, yeah, let's, let's get him invested. That's what he said he wanted. Well, no, I need to find out if he's sitting on, you know, gambling debt that we need to handle or something. You know me. <laughs> Always hitting the horseshoe. <laughs> but I mean, that's, there's, there's so much jargon out there. Wealth advisor, financial advisor, advisor, like it gets confusing. Stockbroker. Stockbroker. Yeah. It gets very confusing. And at the end of the day, you've got to kind of ask those questions because who you're trusting your money to, your hard-earned money, whether it's growing for kids' education or for your retirement or just for your future like down payments or whatever it could be, that person needs to be someone you're building a relationship with. It's not just, oh yeah, I have my money sitting in a bank over here. Like I think you still should have a relationship with your bank. Um, this is kind of like you want to have a relationship with your doctor because then when you call your doctor and say, I'm feeling this way, they're going to know your history of like, that's out of character for you. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't had a primary care physician for a long, long time and I kind of miss it. You know, I miss having that one doctor that kind of really knew all of my circumstances really, really well. Yeah. yeah. I like being able to text my doctor. It's kind of nice. Oh, that's mm. very nice. Yeah, yeah. But back to the duh moment, uh, when you're working with someone who, who is investing your money, your hard earned money, don't you want somebody who like knows you deeply, mm -hmm. knows your history. I know I mean, you deeply. I mean, I would think that's, yeah. <laughs> knows you intimately. Yes. I mean, a lot of times we help people out who have, they're, they're for lack of better words, they're enabling their children. But we kind of have to help them figure out how that's important to them, take care of their kids. But then also we have their best interest of being that objective third party and saying, look, I know you want to help your kid out, but you're hurting yourself now. Let, you know, you need to, we have your interest at heart. You're our client. Yes, I know you. your priorities are helping your kid, but you need to take care of yourself because you will run out of all of your money and then you'll have nothing left and your kid would not have learned. So it's almost a joke that we're kind of almost like a therapist too. Like, no, I'm not saying we're a therapist. We do not have that licensing at all. <laughs> but uh, help me help you. It is. It's a help me help you thing. It's when we do the financial plans, we tell people, yeah, it's a lot of time up front on you to give us all this information, but it's the best way we can get to know you. And I think if someone's not asking, as you said, Cam, if someone's not asking you those questions, you need to kind of worry. And it, it's not that they're trying to get into your dirt. It's just, hey, we, we kind of want to know who you are and what skeletons you've got in the closet so that we can help you address it. Do you, you know, what's, kinda, what's well, coming? It sets a strong foundation when you get, when you ask those and questions. And we do, we have people that come in here basically just, you know, all they want to do is open an account. They just want to... Mm -hmm. They just want to give us our money, give us their money and open an account and have it invested and us leave them alone. I mean, you know, people yeah. like, so, you know, it, 
having this kind of relationship with your financial advisor is not for everybody, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't want you up in their business. But uh, it, it helps, especially if you're doing a financial plan, it helps... It helps tremendously. Uh, it's it's one one of the steps of doing a financial plan that you learn at, when you're trying to get your certification for CFP. Uh, one of the steps is basically you know gathering the information from your client and getting to know your client and understanding mm -hmm. their financial circumstance. And you know you you can't do that without getting very personal. Um, yeah, you've got to be personal, and I mean it's. It is, yes, one of those people that they may want, not want to tell us everything, but that's where we just tell them, you know, we're here if you need anything. I have started telling prospects that come in and clients that we want to be as involved in your life as you want us to be, that we're here, we're that support system, use us if you want to use us. But yes, ultimately it's that we're going to, we're going to help you out. We're going to try and do the best we can possibly do, but sometimes people want to self-sabotage themselves and... We have to advise them the best possible, and sometimes you can't help them. Another thing, robo-advisors. Y'all know about these? Another buzzword. Yeah. For sure. So a robo-advisor uses a computer algorithm to build and manage an investment portfolio for you based on personal factors such as risk tolerance. Many robo-advisors are registered as investment advisors with the Securities and Exchange Commission, Oh, great. They're registered. Cool. And they have a fiduciary duty to their clients. Okay. Can a, a ro robot be a fiduciary? <laughs> a robot is a fiduciary. Okay. So, however, many robo-advisors have a limited understanding of clients, which may mean they're unable to help with broad financial planning guidelines, such as debt management. Critics of robo-advisors often cite their limitations as enough to disqualify them as fiduciaries. I mean, yeah. You know, it, this this will be a forever thing going forward. It, it happens in the financial advising industry. It happens in the legal industry. A person came in to, to, to my office the other day and asked me what my price was for doing an estate plan and then pointed out that they could get their estate plan off of legal zoom for far cheaper than mm -hmm. what my price was. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And for some people that the documents you might get off of legal zoom or something like that, they, they will serve your purposes, but you're, what you're not getting is you're not getting someone who fully understands your circumstances and, and is certain that, that, that the financial plan that is being created for you is going to best serve your needs. Yeah. You can't get that without actually interacting with people. And the same thing goes for a financial advisor. You know, you're not going to get a, a plan that fits you, a, an investment plan that fits you if you're relying on a, a computerized questionnaire, basically. Yeah, you don't want to just be an account number. You want to be a person. You want someone who, who cares when you're going through some struggle and can be available when you're on your way to the hospital because something tragic has happened and you need to have help getting your legal documents pulled or your financial documents pulled, any of that. And something that David has been saying recently is that price is only important in the absence of value. And that's so true is that you sit there and you compare things and you go, okay, well, this one's cheaper. But kind of going back to all the other episodes we've talked about, like, okay, yeah, you can get a cheaper pair of pants, but 
are you going to trust those pants when you got to bend over and they may split open? <laughs> like, I mean, cheaper isn't always better. And so you want to ask the question of why, why is this more expensive? And I actually was talking to my brother and um, he was telling me about this site that, or somebody that he knew that put out on this site where you could actually get different people to bid out on creating a, a logo or something like that. And so he had a very cheap low-level one, a mid-level one, and a very expensive one. He hired all three of them. And the highest one that he paid, he hated, it was his last logo. He hated that logo, but he spent so much money on that. And then it really was the mid-level person that he paid that he got the best customer service from, he got the best product from. So it's always one of those that it's not always find the most expensive thing or the or the cheapest thing. It's finding that that connection, that relationship that brings the value and asking those questions and not just looking at, oh, your estate plan costs this much, looking at the value of it. And that's the relationship and the fiduciary and someone ca- caring about you. You have a much higher probability of achieving your your goals, your dreams, when you're working with someone who has a relationship with you and knows you versus a robot or legal Zoom. You know, yeah, it may be cheaper and it may accomplish it, but when it comes time to actually ut- uh, utilizing that document... Cannot compute. Yes, cannot compute. <laughs> server failure, error server, 404. Uh, I'm sorry, we can no longer assist you. Goodbye. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. All right, court talked about this a little bit already, but fiduciary versus suitability standards. So the Investment Act of 1940 states that an investment advisor or anyone in the business of giving investment advice has a fiduciary duty to their clients. The act itself calls these measures broad and doesn't provide specific regulations beyond requiring that advisors act in the best interest of a client. So it's been around for a long time, but it's been very loose. And everybody knows what are what are people really good at finding loopholes. I mean, we we all kind of find loopholes in different things. And mm-hmm. I mean, you 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 go to Disney World and you find the loophole of like how to you know hurry up and get to the line faster or move around. Like everybody does it. We all find loopholes. <laughs> Mexico or Canada? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Broker dealers with which is a broader term used to describe a person or firm that buys and sells securities on behalf of a client, as well as for themselves or their organizations, aren't uniformly governed by a fiduciary duty through, though, sorry, though under particular circumstances such as a state law, some may be held to a fiduciary standard. Instead, broker-dealers must follow a suitability standard set by FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, which means that they must have a reasonable belief that an investment transaction or the frequency of transaction is suitable for the customer. This reasonable belief leaves room for broker-dealers to recommend products that will increase their bottom line, aka fatten their pockets up, through commissions but may not necessarily be the best investment for you. Fiduciaries, on the other hand, must act in the best interest. This is why it's always better to work with a fiduciary rather than an advisor who is simply following suitability standards. Whew. Shoo-wee. So that's echoing a lot of what Court said. Um, and so that's kind of you another buzzword. You're just suitability, fiduciary. I think we just make up new words all the time and throw them out there just to just to try and confuse people. And again, you know, we're on episode 88 now. And the whole reason that we decided to create this podcast was to kind of answer some of these questions. 
and address some things that people might be, they may not understand or know, and they're too scared to ask, or if they Google it, they're going to get 10 million different answers. And I know there's some incredibly highly intelligent people who, you know, are great doctors or they're great, you know, lawyers, or they work in different industries and they just don't understand a lot of this, but they, their pride makes it where they don't want to ask the questions. And so that's why, you know, we're on 88 episodes now. That's why we're going to keep going until, you know, 600. I don't know. When are Good we gonna Lord, this 600. <laughs> My word. That would be a lot. That would, that would be a lot of episodes. Okay, well, um, at episode 599, I need someone else to step up and take over Court's spot. I'm going to be like, 599, nah, guys, I'm out. <laughs> See ya. Yep. Uh, another fiduciary example, I know we talked about uh, trustees, board members, um, plan administrators, is a real estate agent to a client. You think about that. You're, you're hiring somebody to help you find what you're looking for mm-hmm. and hoping that they're going to help work the deals and not trying to work their own private deals behind the scenes. Yeah, again, Robin and I were just recently talking about our, our house uh, and possibly moving to a different house and just, you know, I, it just got me thinking about all the different real estate people we've used over the course of our lives. Cause I mean, we've, we've moved a lot. <laughs> we have owned a bunch of houses in our lives and every single house that we've purchased, we've used a different real estate agent. Um, and uh, some some we, we liked more than others. Some, you know, they really took the time to figure out what exactly it was that we wanted and where we wanted and showed us a ton of houses and were very patient with us while we were trying to... And others were just like, here, this, this, this. Here, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Let's let's get this done. Let's get up. You know, just want basically just wanted to make the sale. Yeah. Um. So that I, I don't know. I just I, I find it amusing that you, that you brought up real estate agents when I was I had such in deep <laughs> thoughts about it. And I think you're going to start realizing now that you kind of understand what fiduciary is, you're going to start seeing it when you're working with different people in different industries. That it's you know somebody should have your best interest at heart, and it's. Again, it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. You think that when you go into a certain line of work that you're, that that person's going to be trustworthy, but not everybody's trustworthy. Some people are a Gordon Gecko or Regina George or, you know, Catherine, any of those people. Okay. So, uh, let's say I have a fiduciary duty mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. I break it. Ooh, you're going to be in trouble. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I don't know. What you going to do? So, SEC is going to get involved. Ooh. And not the the, the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> not the football. What is SEC? Break it down for me. The Securities Exchange Commission. Sounds yes. fancy. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, again, our industry is a lot of acronyms, and I very much was confused when I first joined. I was like, SEC. Why are we talking about football? <laughs> SEC. So the SEC uh, concludes by stating that departure from the, from this fiduciary standard may constitute fraud upon your client. Uh, Yes, upon your clients, which could result in revoking the firm's or investment advisor's registration. So you're getting your registration pulled, possibly. The advisor could be barred from the industry or a multi-million dollar disgorgement, among other penalties. So if you don't do this, then the SEC is going to come down on you. And there is some very, very serious punishments from it. (laughs) Uh, You know, fiduciary responsibilities are both ethical and legal. If a fiduciary violates his or her duty, 
you have some legal action that could happen. You know, acting in the wrong interest of your clients, like how I said that, you're not acting the best, you're acting in the wrong interest of your clients. <laughs> Making unauthorized trades, uh, turning your accounts by trading excessively to generate commissions, misrepresentation through false statements about a security or transaction. I will say that, that um, we, you know, we talk about elder abuse and we talk about older people getting taken advantage of, but there's, there's something else that I've seen a lot in the past couple of years I've been working here, and that is some people preying on... Ignorance isn't the right word. Preying on those that don't understand things. Um, a lot of times, preying on naivety. Yeah, uh, preying on widows. I think that's a big one. And something that, you know, if say the husband was the one who was really involved in things, and it could be that when the wife is distraught, she's lost her husband. She's thinking this person that her husband worked with is going to take it, take care of her. But sometimes it does happen that they. They think, oh, well, let's let's just kind of, you know, handle this. But she won't know the difference. Mm, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not good. Don't do that. We've had, unfortunately, several people that we've had to try and help out because they were put in bad situations by people who were not acting in the best interest of their clients and did not fully explain to their clients what they were putting them in. And so it's, I mean, it happens, but, it, you know, we think about the older people getting taken advantage of, but think of those people who've lost their financial person that really helps them make sure they're okay and taken care of. So, I mean, there's a lot of legal that comes with this, that, and especially now with the uh, Department of Labor's 2021 fiduciary rule, that hopefully this should make it where everyone is on the same playing field and we're taking care of our clients, but there's always going to be those bad eggs. It, with the elevated responsibility that comes with regulation BI, um, there's, there, there's speculation at least that there are going to be people that are going to leave the industry. They're mm. not going to like that heightened level that, that is required of them now. And so you, you could potentially see some bad actors get out of, get out of the industry because they don't want to be held to that standard. Yeah, if our, if our listeners haven't picked up on, on the many hints we're giving, our industry is highly regulated, which is good. You need the checks and balances, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to finances. Yeah, I mean, we have to document everything we do. We have to make sure that we are taking care of every little detail. And if there's, that's why if you ever work with us, then that's why we always have to make sure, oh yeah, sorry, we need to get this document signed. We need to get that document signed because we want to make sure that everything is documented, taken care of appropriately. Yeah, in our podcast episodes, they have to run through compliance before mm -hmm. we publish them because compliance needs to make sure we're not saying the wrong thing. Exactly. So the goal of the original rule uh, for the fiduciary rule from the Department of Labor was to encourage more transparency of fees, close certain payment loopholes, simplify retirement advice, and improve investor education. And what they found, the original rule was inconsistent with governing statutes and was overreaching to regulate services and providers beyond its authorities. So really, it's that's the other thing, is that people want to make sure there's not those hidden fees in there. They want to know what they're actually paying for. And so that's, you know, you ask, are you a fiduciary? And then the next thing needs to be about the payment and how, how are you making your money? And if a advisor shies away from answering that question, that's a concern, I would think. You need to be up front and remember that, yeah, somebody else may have a lower payment or something, but 
what is what are the value they're bringing and think about mm. that. But it's, yeah, if someone's going to shy away and not really explain how they're getting paid or what you're going to be paying, red flag. No, big red flag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this rule was originally tabled uh, but resurfaced again in mid-2020 when the Department of Lab- with the Department of Labor's latest version – in it, advisors giving guidance on retirement plans, rollovers, and distributions would be considered giving investment advice and thus be governed by the fiduciary standard. The rule also allows investment advice fiduciaries to receive compensation, such as sale loads, certain commissions, and revenue-sharing arrangements from investment products, as long as the fiduciary discloses such arrangement. So that's the other thing you hear, I feel like, a lot of times in the legal world, full disclosure. But, I mean, that's true. You have to... You can't be the wizard behind the curtain. You got to show what's behind your curtain and explain everything. (laughs) What's behind your curtain? (laughs) What are you hiding? What's really happening? Oh, pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. (laughs) You've got to be transparent. And again, that's, we keep saying like, duh, like these people are trusting you. You got to tell them what's going on. Uh, Under the current rule, we've seen increased use of third-party fiduciaries by commission-based advisors as well as the migration to fee-based advisory. It's not unreasonable to expect the fee advisory charge will come down along with the fees of the underlying products they use. Investors are demanding more objective, transparent advice and fee structures. Smart advisors will realize this change is coming and that advice that is good enough is no longer good enough for today's investors. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that uh, that you have written down in the in the outline that sort of made me go, "Wow!" is um, actually when the when the new rule went into effect. It went into effect back in February of last year, and I think earlier I said uh, a few months ago. Time has just been flying by. Time keeps it feels on. like it's just been a few months, but obviously, no. it's, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a, it's been around for a minute now. <laughs> Yeah, because the latest version went into effect February 16, 2021 with an enforcement grace period until February 1, 2022. So we're past it now. So we're in it. Yep. You know, there's no more grace period. We are in it, which that's a long grace period they had. Okay, hopefully you're not thoroughly confused. Hopefully, you know, if you've counted, Cam, how many times have we said fiduciary in this episode? (laughs) 3,000. To make this topic even more confusing, there are those that claim to be financial advisors, as we've talked about before, um, but you do not have to hold any series license at all, but instead operate using an insurance license regulated by a state insurance department. That's why a lot of times the person that's selling you life insurance or car insurance is also trying to sell you investment advice and do all of that. So not all financial advisors, wealth advisors, broker dealers, whatever they want to call themselves, they're not all created equally. Ask the questions. You are in charge. Ask the questions. They're not necessarily all held to the same standard. They're not all following the same regulations. Ask. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing that I kind of think, you know, almost, almost, uh, I think has a sort of a, maybe an unintended negative impact. We'll have to see what David thinks about this. Cause I'm just coming up with this off the, off the top of my head, but we are, um, as financial advisors, one of the things that you're not you're not really supposed to do is is advertise the fact that you're licensed. Yeah. You know, we we have to take tests, series seven, series sixty six. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of tests that are that are given by the SEC or by mm-hmm. Finra uh, to to basically license you to 
to deal in securities trading or in insurance or, or yeah. all, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but you're not, a, you're not supposed to advertise that you have these licenses. You're not supposed to use it as, as a point of, of sale to your client. Like, well, I'm licensed, you know, because, but then because you're not, because you're not allowed to advertise the fact that you're licensed, that means that someone who isn't licensed, it's no different for, for, for they, they, don't, they don't appear yeah. any different on the surface because nobody is going to be out there saying, yes, I'm a Series 7 licensed uh, general securities trader. Nobody does that. Yeah. Um, so so you, you could potentially come across somebody that is doing stuff and is uh, not licensed to trade stocks or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it could be the Joker or Gordon Gekko or somebody. Yeah. Well, I guess Gordon Gekko had his licensing, but... <laughs> probably had it revoked. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> probably. probably. <laughs> With the whole prison thing for trading, for insider trading, I think he probably had had his license revoked. So, <laughs> just saying. Okay, well, what do you feel like, um, do you feel like we've said fiduciary enough times that we can probably wrap this episode up, or do you feel like we should uh, should say it a few more times? Is there have we been a good fiduciary of our podcast listeners and trying to ex- thoroughly explain what a fiduciary is? I mean, I I, I just I, I have images of of like Beetlejuice or Candyman. You know, we've <laughs> said it enough that that like a fiduciary is going to pop into the room any second and you know stab us. I don't know. Let's get it out of our system. Fiduciary on three. One, two, three. Fiduciary. That sounded like justice. Like fiduciary. I don't know. Our little team huddle. Team huddle. Say fiduciary. But okay, we're going to wrap this up because I'm already starting to wrap it up in my head and about to say it before we go to a bullseye. So go. No, don't, don't spend your bullseye before the bullseye. Go ahead. Here's my bullseye. Okay. Say we're, 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 we're going to do our bullseyes now. Yes. Here, okay, so Katie, what's your bullseye? Okay, my bullseye would be, you hear this word all the time on commercials, radios. It's everywhere now. And ask your question, why is it everywhere now? Now you should hopefully understand what the word means and that it's not just a financial industry. It's not a new word. It's been around a long time, but it is a buzzword right now. And you have the power, whoever you choose to work with, whatever you're doing, to ask these questions. Ask, are they fiduciary? Ask about their fees. Ask about that. Because you are not being a good fiduciary of yourself if you don't ask these questions. You need to take care of your family and your hard-earned money and ask and make sure you trust the person you're working it with, whether it's a financial advisor, an attorney, a real estate agent, whatever it is. But so now hopefully you understand the word and uh, you can go and share the wealth with other people and tell other people to listen to the Bullcast podcast. And, uh, you know, always tell us more words that you may have heard and need us to help explain. That's my bullseye. Bullseye. Was your bullseye an advertisement for Bullcast? I'm just kidding. I heard you loud and clear. Being full transparent, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Court, what's your bullseye? <laughs> uh, best interests. That's that's it. A fiduciary is responsible for their uh, making sure that they are acting in their client's best interests. It's very simple. They so, care about you. Yeah. It, you know that that that's all it is. That's all it means. It's not it's not really that big of a uh, that big of a word with a mysterious meaning. It just means uh, is the person acting in your best interests. Boom. 
bullseye. Come on, short and sweet. When it comes to your finances, first of all, everyone loves to save a buck. I like to save a buck. Do you guys? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I like to spend a buck. You like to spend all your money. Yeah, spend but, it all. But when it comes to finances, legal work, it's worth the investment. If the person truly does have the best interest in heart for you, spend the money. Bullseye. Well, what do you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have the Bullcast Podcast beamed directly to your phone every single week on Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, more about this podcast, you can go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. Feel free to leave a comment, uh, throw in your your own thoughts on anything that we've discussed today or in in, in in any other episode. Uh, We also have a Twitter handle. That handle is at bullcastpodcast. You can tweet to us. Uh, we have an Instagram handle. You can check out pictures uh, at Bullcast Podcast is that that handle as well. And then finally, uh, if you didn't hear us say it once, you probably weren't listening. Katie and Cameron and I all work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And uh, uh, if you'd like to find out more about us, more about Cameron, the mystery man, uh, more about our <laughs> amazing team, and more about our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with a no. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Court, and I am done talking. I'm Katie. I'm Cameron. We're gone. <laughs>